Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. We all know Gen Z is the most connected generation, but Snapchat is also seeing them change the future of communication as we know it. Not only is the Snapchat generation building more personal connections with brands through vertical video, they're also using augmented reality to discover and experience new products. You can meet the Snapchat generation and learn more about them by visiting snapchat.com generation. That's snapchat.com slash generation. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. And we've got something special for you this week. Uh, it is my conversation with Ryan Reynolds, the actor and marketing visionary. Uh, who has really kind of dominated the scene over the past year, especially. Uh, took what he learned um, marketing his Deadpool movies when the budgets were a lot tighter than uh, what many superhero movies would have had. And uh, he took those lessons and brought them to Aviation Gin and Mint Mobile and several other brands now. So uh, we talked to him on the virtual stage of Brand Week uh, this past week. Really great conversation. Ryan is a really fascinating and very humble and earnest person. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. So with no further ado, let's get to uh, my brand week conversation with Ryan Reynolds. Celebrities have had a long and uh, kind of tumultuous relationship with advertising over the years. You know, it's been their secret shame where they would only make ads if they went overseas and no one in America would see it. Uh, and then eventually got past that and started making ads in America. And we've even seen in the last year or two, uh, a lot of celebrities buying up agencies, launching their own agencies, but no Hollywood star, no celebrity of any kind has been more visible, more iconic uh, and more influential in the advertising world over this past year, year and a half than Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I think we all know Ryan Reynolds. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time introducing him from his successes in Hollywood. 
Uh, and, but his work with Maximum Effort, his production company, uh, and his ownership of Aviation Gin and Mint Mobile has really taken him to a new level where he has become an icon for marketers as well as uh, someone that his fans have looked up to. With that, very honored for Adweek uh, to welcome Ryan Reynolds. Hello. Hey, Ryan. How are you? Hi. Thank you. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Well, congratulations on being Adweek's 2020 brand visionary. Thank you for the incredible honor. I'm very excited, flattered, well, touched. We are going to dive right into it uh, because I have so many questions for you, and I'm sure we're going to get quite a few questions from the audience as well. Sure. The number one question I've always gotten about you, as we've written about you over the years, is how involved is Ryan Reynolds directly in the creation of his ads? And so we're going to look at some of those in just a minute. But first, I want you to kind of, so that as people watch some of the highlights of your work, that they can understand that you don't just show up, film it, and then walk away. Tell us about your process with these ads. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I, I'll speak to, I won't speak to sort of the genesis of how we got to work in this way, but once uh, George Dewey, my, my, my partner at Maximum Effort Marketing and our production company, once he and I got together, we, um, we really just did everything ourselves. It was just the two of us, mostly. Um, a lot of the writing was done. <laughs> Uh, surprisingly, just via text, or you know, we would uh, you know create short word documents and fire them off to each other. Um, so it was for a long time. It was very, very much just the two of us. Uh, you know, I would have an idea that I would write, or he would have an idea that he would write, and um, and that's kind of how we operated until we started to build out our our team, which we've done over the last uh, six or seven months. Well, actually, more like the last three or four months. Really, we've we've sort of built out the maximum effort team, and then so now it's a little bit more robust, which is great because we're getting a few different perspectives and I think different point of views, people that are from different walks of life, different cultures, and that sort of thing. So it's helped to make the company a little bit, I think, more dynamic and well-rounded. How have you maintained your ability to be directly involved and to be a core part of the creative process and the execution while growing? How, how do you scale that level of direct involvement? I, I love it. I mean, I, I genuinely love what I do, you know, um, I, I, you know, I, I guess I, I, I don't know that much about uh, the ad space in terms of like ad agencies and that kind of stuff and the dynamics and hierarchies and how these sorts of things work. I mean, you know, I, I think that uh, from what I understand is there aren't a lot of creatives that are sort of handling the kind of corporate aspect of it or the day-to-day -day sort of stuff. Um, for us, we really didn't have a choice uh, for that matter, but, um, you know, it's just George and I for the longest time, but I, um, I genuinely love it. I mean, you know, in terms of scalability, it's not something that we really talk about. I don't even know if George and I have ever used that term um, together. So we, you know, most of the stuff is pretty organic, you know, rarely do we find ourselves going, oh, we really need to do a, a mid-mobile spot, or we really need to do an aviation spot. Usually it's reverse engineering. Usually we see something out in the zeitgeist that, that sparks our interest. And we think, oh, this would be perfect for Deadpool, or this would be perfect for, you know, maximum effort marketing just in general, or, or aviation gin or mid-mobile or whatever else we're working on. So um, it all, it's kind of organic. It's not so much, there isn't like a real master plan that we're working from. Well, before we get any deeper, uh, let's go back and revisit some of your uh, most memorable work uh, from the past year or so. I'm sure folks will recognize quite a few of these. So sure. we'll look at your recent work for Aviation and Mint Mobile. Okay. You know, people come up to me all the time and they say, what makes Aviation Gin so delicious? Most of the time I run away because non-celebrities frighten me. But here is the answer. To ensure that heavenly taste, every bottle of aviation is ordained by the Unitarian Church of Fresno, California. 
And then, before it departs home, serenaded with the healing music of Sarah McLaughlin. So aviation, American gin. Are you, are you American? You know I'm Canadian. Can you fly a plane? No. Okay, so roughly, how many celebrities passed before they found you? I, I'm not quite ready to show mine yet, but let's just cut for a second. What? No, it's not almost finished, just some color correcting a little bit. for a second, no, let's just roll it. Come on, I can't wait to there. see it. Go, just, go, go, roll I'm, it, roll I'm, it. Ryan Reynolds is a complete and total Gin's pretty great, though. Cut! Hey, uh, yeah. why is your aviation gin ad plane? I bought mid-roll ad placement. You bought an ad for your gin within an ad, for your movie within an ad for Samsung TV. Yes. It felt like the right thing to do. You know, this is a funny anecdote. I was, uh, I was on my way to pick up my daughters from school when I heard that I got the role. Well, I didn't show up at school, because Detective Pikachu, he doesn't know who those two little girls are. Who are they? They're our daughters. He just, he just left them. He doesn't have a, a wife. No. He's a little yellow guy. Lives in Rhyme City in a, in a briar patch or something. And instead of paying a celebrity millions of dollars to endorse our brand, we convinced one to pay us. That last one hits close to home. No, it's $30, it's unlimited. It'll do just fine. Sounds good. See ya. Bye, Rick Moranis. To new beginnings. To, to new, new beginnings. beginnings. There you go. It's gonna be a fun night. There you go. Take this too. It's always great to go back and, and watch those. And something that, again, I think you started to talk about this, but I think some people have always said, oh, he probably is just kind of the face of the company. Um, but you've talked a lot about your involvement, with, especially with Aviation Gen, which is a product that you discovered personally. Uh, I know you've told this story a bunch, but walk us through the quick timeline of how you discovered Aviation Gen and then your time building that up to a recent sale to Diageo. Well, um, I was shooting Deadpool up in Vancouver and I would, uh, once a week or so, I'd go down to the, the bar at the hotel and I would, I would order a Negroni. And the, the bartender at that particular hotel loved um, making a Negroni his own specific way. And I would always ask him, what the hell is in this Negroni? And he would say, it's, it's an aviation Negroni. And I always thought he was kind of being coy. I thought aviation was the name of his Negroni. I didn't realize that I didn't need the bartender anymore, that it was aviation gin and I could just take the gin for myself and uh, call it a day. So I had, uh, I fell in love with the gin. I, um, it was, you know, a, a kind of the perfect way to be introduced to a product or, you know, cause there was no sort of nefarious master plan. It was just, I love this gin. Uh, it's hard to find. It was a small, really small company at the time. Um, so I thought about maybe investing in it. Um, thought that might be a good idea. It was my wife who Blake, who actually said, maybe we should think bigger. And uh, the next thing I knew I'd been in these fairly protracted negotiations to take a pretty significant ownership of the company. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I can sell somebody one bottle of aviation gin. Aviation gin has to sell itself from from there forward. So, um, so it was leading with an amazing product. What I I felt like was an incredibly disruptive product in a space that could use this type of disrupt, dis, dis, disruptive product. So, um, 
so it was, yeah. And everyone I, everyone I'd given aviation gin to just as a gift or just to try out even, you know, diehard staunch vodka drinkers would switch. They would switch to this. And so I saw it really worked. And then, so if you're marketing or you're, you're meeting, your marketing is meeting a great product at the right time, you know, again, it's timing as well. Uh, it starts to take off. So it just exploded. I mean, you know, our marketing stuff has been uh, a true privilege and pleasure to, to work on and to, 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 to execute. I love it. I love every second of it, but I would attribute the growth of the company to the unsexy stuff. You know, it's me flying to Dallas and Chicago and Spain and London and meeting with, you know, key buyers or CEOs or heads of companies that, um, you know, that, that have large distribution platforms or large chain restaurants or chain, you know, hotels and those kinds of things, which help scale the company up uh, a lot more. So I would attribute this, the less sexy stuff uh, than, you know, than the marketing stuff, more, more the sort of day to day kind of stuff. I can't remember a day that I wasn't, you know, on the phone with somebody uh, somewhere in the world talking about aviation gin or making a video for somebody that I couldn't quite get to in a, for an in-person meeting or that sort of thing. So, um, you know, but all in all, it was a labor of love. I love doing it. Still love doing it. Going back to that moment when you were having these initial discussions about investing and, and eventually, you know, took on the title of owner of Aviation Gin. Looking back at that, what do you think you've learned the most in that time that you honestly didn't even see coming as something that would be a big part of your life in the, in the years ahead? Well, um, I, I, you know, taking on Aviation Gin and Mint Mobile have been huge growth opportunities for me. I mean, I, I boy, I learned so much uh, working on these each and every day. And I, I you know, I, I guess, I mean, I knew that authenticity connected with audiences. I learned that uh, necessity was the mother invention on Deadpool, Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2, frankly, never had budgets that w- would even come close to something that the Marvel Cinematic Universe would have or, or even the DC Universe. Um, so we had to make do with so much less. And that's, you know, that's where I sort of even writing those scripts, I would always look at, you know, sequences as in terms of, you know, for a comic book movie, you think, oh, he needs spectacle, you need world ending explosions and those kinds of things. And instead of those scenarios, I would, I would input character. And I noticed in Deadpool one, where we just really had no money. I mean, we shot the movie for $58 million, which for a superhero movie, that's like the cocaine budget for a regular movie. So we really had to buckle down and make, you know, turn every dime into a dollar. And, and, uh, so I, we really learned to use character in place of spectacle. And that was such a lesson to me. I mean, because it worked just as well, if not better. Um, it, it, I found that it, it lived longer uh, as the movie came out. And I applied some of those principles to marketing and to aviation gin. So, so the, the, those principles that I found that worked really well were speed, uh, certainly, you know, I know David, you and I have talked about that before. We're you know, fast advertising. Um, we're, we don't have a corporate structure or a ladder that I have to go up and get a whole bunch of approvals for because I'm the owner. So we get to sort of move quickly on an idea and execute it quickly while it's still in the zeitgeist. The Peloton ad is a good example of that. Um, and, you know, so, so that authenticity, speed, um, and then authorship, you know, I think audiences want to feel like they relate to the brand, the brand is kind of theirs um, to a certain degree. Uh, so you really want to inspire authorship with your consumer as well as your audience. Um, so it's, it's, and I think having those kind of authentic connections with them is what really sort of helps foster that. So. You and I've talked before too, and I'd love for you to expound on this, is the importance of 
directness of busting through walls, uh, marketing, especially a lot of the folks who are here today with us, they live in a world with a very layered and stratified hierarchy of what it takes to get things done, sometimes going back over 100 years. Uh, and you've talked about how not only did you find the efficiency of creating these things, the speed you just talked about, but you said that it's even had an impact on you beyond just the how you create marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, again, I, I, don't, I don't know the nuance of typical ad agencies, the big ones, the small ones. I've met some of them, and, and um, um, while I respect what they do and how they do it, it's, I, I get why it's challenging sometimes. I mean, you have all these sort of, the, all this interplay between your, the clients and the agencies and the, you know, the back and forth and that sort of thing. So uh, when you are one and the same, I, would, I will freely admit that it's an unfair advantage you know, I mean, I can, I can turn something around in 36 hours that, you know, another company would take weeks to sort of figure out. So, um, you know, and, and particularly when you're pouncing on, uh, when you're acknowledging and playing with the cultural landscape, I think that that's, you know, that's also uh, a huge part of what we do. Um, we, we, we love ads, we love marketing, we love diet storytelling in that context. We think that marketing can bring people together. We think it like can, you know, whether, you know, you're selling a product or selling something to the community or just doing something that is like a you know, impact work or pro bono work. So, um, but yeah, that, those hierarchies are tough because you don't see a ton of creatives kind of steering the ship in terms of how, how we grow the company and that sort of thing. And I understand why, because the, a lot of creatives that I know in my industry and in the film industry as well is, you know, that they are some of the most beautiful art that they create is because they're indulgent, because they're governed by whim. Um, you know, so it can be challenging to find, I think, you know, creatives to sort of operate and run the day-to-day aspects of the company. And I think, I think I'm lucky because, I worked for years as the ser- the service part of that industry. I worked for years as a gun for hire. I, I, I saw sort of how, when it was done really well, and then I saw when it was, wasn't necessarily organized as well or done as well. So, um, you know, and I also learned a lot about accountability, which I think is, you just have to have. It's just the, the greatest asset that I think I've ever had in my career is, is starting out, you know, working here and there in the film and television industry, which is a feast or famine type industry. And, you know, a lot of my peers, you know, when they started to get into the famine section, they wouldn't, they wouldn't get jobs like regular jobs because it can be tough. It's exposing. You can, you can be in a regular job and you, you worry that someone's going to recognize you or, you know, and then, and that's going to be some sort of signal fire that you failed in the show business aspect of it or something like that. But I, I was never afraid to do that. And, And when I was younger and I really, look back now and see how that learning that accountability was so important because if I was 15 minutes late for work, you know, uh, at my, the grocery store, I worked at midnight to 8am or something like that. Unless I had a good reason I was fired, you know? So when you're in, in show business, you know, I mean, that's a, that's like a whole other <laughs> situation. I mean, you know, there aren't, there aren't a ton of, you know, real, there isn't a ton of real accountability, particularly when people are really, successful in, in, in the Hollywood entertainment industry. So, um, you know, you see people showing up late, people could have a black belt in cocaine. They can basically, you know, end the night falling asleep on the stove. And when they're late for work the next day, nobody, everyone sort of forgives it. Everyone sort of works around it and figures it out. There isn't a ton of accountability. So, um, you know, I think early on having six or seven real kind of day-to-day sort of nine to five type jobs that were, that was shift work really taught me the, the importance of accountability and, 
and what it means to, you know, when you're five minutes early for, for work each day, I, I sometimes feel like I'm already late. So it's, that's helped me a lot in terms of being responsible and creative uh, at maximum effort. And then I have a great partner. George Dewey is, he's a genius. You know, he's a guy that I would bounce anything and everything. I'll, I'll bounce a conversation I'm thinking of having with my wife with George Dewey. So he's, he's kind of like my other, my other uh, half of my brain sometimes. So. We're going to take a quick break uh, from our Brand Week interview with Ryan Reynolds, and then we'll be back with even more. So stay tuned. We're all wondering about the future, but there's an entire generation already creating positive change in the world, and they're urging brands to do the same. Meet the Snapchat generation and learn more about them by visiting snapchat.com generation. That's snapchat.com generation. Another trend that I don't know if, if everyone has noticed, but it certainly stuck out to me, is that there have been more and more pieces, including the Peloton ad, where you are not in front of the camera. Uh, you yeah. are not the face of, uh, of the, the brand in the way that you were in the earlier advertising. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gets into a bigger question, I guess, and that if most of the people watching this are not Ryan Reynolds. Um, and so if you're not, if you don't have that level of celebrity and fame and resources and access, and access how can I still take what you've learned and still apply that to what I do? Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, I, I, real, I recognize that, that the celebrity aspect of it supercharges things to a certain degree. Less, it's less about the celebrity aspect and more about like the platform. I mean, social media is very powerful. You know, having millions and millions of social media followers is certainly like, that's an advantage that is, you know, second to none. Um, but I do think that, that one of the lessons that I've learned going through this wonderful journey has been, you know, always to sort of remain self-effacing and, you know, imbuing that into your, into your marketing, whether you're a tiny, tiny agency or a tiny company growing um, or somebody that's huge, you know, um, I don't think anybody wants to watch Goliath. They want to watch David, you know, and I, I think that uh, that's, that's something that I think anybody can apply or at least imbue those principles into what they do. So, um, you know, that certainly that, and then, you know, if you can, and I realize it's a difficult thing to do, but if you can find a way to move quickly on, if you are a, 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 an agency or a creative that loves acknowledging and playing with the cultural landscape, if you can do it quickly, uh, it's a huge advantage. And I, and I, I, I say that with a grain, taking it with a grain of salt. I know that's a challenge for a lot of, uh, for a lot of companies, but, um, for us, I think that, you know, striking while the iron's hot, you know, and, and not dwelling on it too much afterwards, just kind of letting it do its thing and not, and, and sort of knowing when to pump the brakes a bit too, um, has been hugely advantageous to us. And, and, uh, you know, and, and creative. I mean, I love our ads that I'm, when I'm in an ad, it's usually a last ditch resort. Like it's usually because we have a great idea and the only way I feel I can execute it is to go up in front of the camera and do it myself. But um, anytime we, we, we have a, a pretty great wellspring of material that we're excited to execute uh, in the near future that doesn't, you know, it doesn't involve me, but I think would be more impactful without me on, on camera than it would be with me on camera. Did you get much uh, response in terms of from other folks in Hollywood or just uh, what kind of response did you get to the Diageo purchase? And do you feel like more, uh, more of your peers are maybe starting to look at doing what you're doing? Have they asked for lessons and in getting more involved with entrepreneurship, investing, marketing? What are you hearing from others? Um, I don't pretend to be a, like a, an investment 
kind of guru. I, I, I and, that, and I think that served me well because I, I just gravitate to the things I have, I have an authentic connection to, you know, I think pragmatic is sexy, which is why I'm, you know, why mint mobile, I think is working as well as it does. Um, you know, uh, alcohol booze is there's mischief involved, which is another one of my favorite, you know, uh, go to wells to sort of play with. So, um, but I've, yeah, I've talked to, some of my peers and, and, you know, some of them have asked how, how, you know, what are some of the steps that I took to get here? And it's, a, that's always a challenging answer. You know, it's, it's how, how, how far are you willing to go? I mean, you know, I, you know, so much of our industry is based around, um, you know, ambassadorship. And I think that that's, that's a, like an older kind of construct. I don't think that works as well anymore. I don't think, I think people want to feel like you, you, the celebrity or you, the face of a brand has a genuine connection to that brand. And they know if you don't, I really think it's like, it's almost immediately obvious that they know if you don't have that, that connection. So, um, you know, certainly that, and then, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, like I said earlier, it's, it's about being willing to kind of do the stuff that isn't as sexy, you know, really kind of, it's the day-to-day stuff that is, you know, it's, it's the stuff that everybody wants to do, you know, it's, you got to roll up your sleeves and you got to, you know, do the stuff behind the scenes that isn't this sort of show up and shoot something and then leave, you know, you have to have a passion for it. And I think if you have a passion for it, a lot of people do. um, And a lot of people are willing to, you know, put their energy into that, then I think it can work, you know? Well, tell us about your thoughts on working with other brands beyond the ones that you invest in and own. Uh, Where do you see that growing in the near future, especially in the marketing efforts? Um, well, I, you know, there's a lot of the stuff I can't talk about, but I, but I would love to talk about, um, but, uh, yeah, there's, we're, we're expanding with, you know, working with different companies that ring our bell. Um, you know, I think one of the things that we love is, uh, the element of, I think two things that serve maximum effort very well are the same things that serve Deadpool very well, which is that, you know, scarcity and surprise work very well for Deadpool and, and you got to know when to sort of pull back and you got to know when to hit the, the gas in a big way. So, um, you know, those, those, there's just a certain, there's a couple of different, um, uh, companies that we're working with right now that we're really excited about, um, that are just unexpected, you know, you wouldn't really, not really something that you would think would be in our wheelhouse. I actually love stuff that isn't necessarily hyper ironic or, you know, will permeate the zeitgeist with hilarity. I like stuff that, you know, is emotional too. And those two things travel the best, I think, um, virally speaking, I think, you know, emotion and humor are two things that, that really move, uh, move the needle in a big way. So let's take a few questions. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, one question I've gotten, and a few people have asked me, uh, too, about this on uh, social media is how do you measure success of an individual marketing plan of the success of the growth of the businesses you invest in, but specifically when you create for all the work you put into the ads, you create the marketing efforts you create, how do you determine whether one was successful? Oh boy. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I have like, I, I have spots that I've done that I loved desperately. They just got zero traction. You know, um, uh, I do know that, you know, the, one of the best, pieces of advice that I've ever been given um, is that, you know, you can't, you can't really be great at something unless you're willing to be bad at it. Um, And that's a challenging thing, I think, for young, young creatives, young marketers, young actors, writers, directors, Um, you know, you really have to be willing to be bad. And I learned that um, more so in the writing. I mean, I'm the youngest of four boys. So I learned how to bullshit pretty early in my life. But but 
really like, you know, sitting down and I, you know, my career, I, you know, I was a, I was a lunch pail actor for most of my career, which just means that I like to work. Like if I didn't have a job, I wasn't necessarily waiting for the right job at times. I was just looking for a job. I liked the, I, I liked waking up and going to work each day. So, um, and I would find myself in problems because of that. I would find myself having to, uh, I would really buckle down on the script once the movie was starting and I would look at it and I'd go, wow, this is, they've written, this character's written terribly. So I'd have to write my way out of these problems. So I would, I would start, I started really doctoring scripts when I was about 29 or 30. And then, and that really taught me a lot about where I am now and, and how to kind of navigate in this world. So like, I think, yeah, the more you can write, the better, you know, I just think that that, that process and, and, you know, really exposing yourself to as much great writing as you can and really just doing it as much as you can, even if you're going to be bad, even if it's going to suck, which it will. Uh, you know, it's uh, even now when I sit down and I write something, the first two hours are crap. And then it starts to like anything, you know, you start to chip away at the wood and you suddenly see the sculpture and there it is. And the next thing you know, you've got, you know, something that is workable. So. Well, obviously you are our brand visionary for this year, which is kind of our top honor that we give to folks that we feel are a, a sort of a, you know, showing the path forward for marketers to really look at. And I'm curious how you find a balance. And this is a question we've gotten from quite a few people too, is where do you, how do you find a balance? Where do you draw the line between the Ryan Reynolds brand and the brand of Aviation Gen or Mint Mobile or any other company that you mm -hmm. uh, take on in the future or do ads for? Do you, where do you find that line or balance? Um, I, you know, oh, I, 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 one of the, one thing that has always worked really well for me is, is conflict. You know, I think conflict in our lives and with our colleagues, with our businesses, conflict doesn't necessarily equate to combat. Like conflict is actually growth opportunities. Conflict do not involve necks, your veins popping out of your neck and your forehead. Conflict actually involves a tremendous amount of empathy. Um, so like, I, I, I find that approaching things with like this attitude of kind of conflict resolution works, like mirroring, empathizing, validating with someone who might have an issue or someone who might, and that is really the core belief system. I think that, that really helps maximum effort marketing work is that we, our whole goal is to bring people together, not divide them. I mean, you know, I could cite a bunch of ads where it would have been very easy to sort of create a divisive thing that might've traveled even better, but we we generally go with this idea of this thought of bringing people together. I know that sounds a little hokey, but um, for us, it's, it's, it's served us well. So like in terms of like where I draw the line, I think you have to look at things through a lens of empathy and, you know, they don't teach empathy at school. They teach calculus, but I have never fucking used calculus. Uh, empathy is like helped me in, in, in immeasurable ways in every way. Um, so, you know, when you're creating a piece of content or you're creating something for aviation gin or mint mobile, Usually I'm looking at it like, okay, what is, who is this hurting? Is this hurting someone? You know, this, this, whatever we're creating here. And if the answer is no, then we move to the next step. Uh, and then it's, you know, it, who is this, you know, we live in a world of outrage. Is this going to just cause some unnecessary outrage? Like, where am I missing this thing? And that's been a huge uh, benefit of growing our company in a kind of, uh, in a way that is a lot more, um, uh, diverse and there's a, a tremendous amount of representation at the root of our, at our of our business because it's allowed us selfishly it allows us to tell stories and and work in perspectives and manners that we don't necessarily have authorship in because now suddenly someone at our company they do have that perspective and they can you know so that keeps us out of 
trouble. You know, you've seen brands step in it before where you just think like, wow, if they just had somebody on their creative team who was representative of the audience that they, they thought they were targeting, they may, they may have been able to sort of avoid this leg hold trap. And um, so that, that's been something that that's been big. So like in terms of, I'm trying to, I know it's a little opaque, but I'm, in terms of like drawing the line, it's really just, I think we just sort of look at it and we find our guardrails. We're really risk averse. So, you know, people think we kind of shoot from the hip because we move so quickly and, and that sort of stuff. But we really think this stuff through, you know, we really find our guardrails. Uh, it's the same way I write Deadpool. Like I think like, what is like, you know, what is the, 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 the per, a person who is just, you know, hypersensitive to this kind of material going to say, and what's somebody who is just, you know, what's like the, the guy who just doesn't give a, a, a shit about anything going to say, you know, I, w- I want to know, I want, I want to find somewhere in the middle where both sides and everybody sort of feels somewhat uh, seen in that. So and approach that with avi- aviation and mint and, and everything else that we're working on. We sort of make sure we're looking at through that lens of empathy and that sort of guides us in a, in a weird way. That doesn't mean you can't be subversive and super funny and, uh, and, and risky or at least feel risky, but, uh, but it definitely prevents you from kind of stepping in the wrong direction. And that, and I, and I say that knowing that I am just as susceptible to stepping in something that I didn't mean to step in as anybody, you know, those, there are mistakes are kind of what build us and shape us and help us learn the most. So. Well, Ryan Reynolds, uh, brand visionary for 2020. Uh, thank you so much for making time for us. And I'm sure My we pleasure. all learned a lot today. It was a great time <laughs> as always. Always, David. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for this honor. It's tremendous. Yeah, I really appreciate it. All right. Well, that was uh, my conversation at Brand Week with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Thanks for listening to it. And uh, uh, thanks to Ryan for making time for us. It was a real honor and uh, really got a great response to that conversation. You can check it out on adweek.com. You can find the transcript uh, if you would like to revisit it in the video as well. Uh, and that, that's it for this week's episode. Uh, don't forget to, you can drop us a note at any time at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode was produced by me, David Greiner, and edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, if you've not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.